You're listening to Making Innovation Happen, a podcast by The Bakery, in conversation with Andrew Humphreys and Tom Salmon. Today, Andrew and Tom are talking about how The Bakery started and how important it is for both corporates and startups to start with the problem. Hi, my name's Andrew Humphreys. I'm one of the co-founders of The Bakery, and uh, who the hell are you? Hi. (laughs) I've met you before somewhere. Uh, I'm Tom Salmon. I'm also one of the co-founders of The Bakery, and I think we met about 10 years ago, didn't we? It was amazing, yeah. It's funny how it's quite a small world, isn't it, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, and you kind of bump into people quite a lot, but you're right. It was about 10 years ago. I think you were experimenting with a accelerator back then. I was. I was on one of the first accelerators that was being run in the UK at the time. And um, I got introduced to Andrew as a mentor who was very helpful. And we formed a relationship over a few years and worked on a few projects. And um, gradually, as we worked on a few things together, evolved the idea that became the bakery. Yeah. So the idea of this kind of podcast, this recording, is to talk a little bit about our beliefs and what we think is going on in the corporate innovation and startup uh, ecosystem and uh, what works, what doesn't, what we've learned in six years of driving corporate innovation with some of the world's biggest organizations and and, uh, and starting and scaling some incredible new businesses all around the world, really. And that light bulb moment that Tom kind of referenced when we started thinking about this uh, became the formation um, of the bakery and the way we think about how innovation should work, um, either when you're starting a, a startup or thinking about it from a corporate perspective. And it, and it was about starting with the problem, uh, which is an interesting thing. Tom, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, when we first started talking about this idea back in kind of 2011, 2012, I think I was very keen on just starting an accelerator. I was seeing this growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'd been on accelerators. I'd tried to start startups. I'd got involved in the investment world. But I'd also been working a lot with corporates and um, seeing how they were building digital products and building digital products with them. Um, But I was really excited about this entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I said to Andrew, you know, I'd really love to start some sort of accelerator. And he said, well, why would you want to do that? Most accelerators don't really work very well at the moment, do they, here in the UK? You know, you can look at the States and Y Combinator and companies come out of those and raise a million dollars, whereas companies here in the UK from a cohort of 10, a couple of them might raise £100,000 if they're lucky and the rest would die. So he said this is a little bit futile, really. And um, we carried on talking about what that might be and why we might, do something and try to find a, a way into making something, creating something that could could actually work and deliver results. And um, we started to think, well, if we can help startups and entrepreneurs get revenue, they will become more investable in this environment here in London, where the appetite for risk with investors was was not the same as in the states. They want well, and having started a couple of startups myself before, and first of all, raising some money. Uh, from investors, and then secondly, going on to drive revenue, I realized that if you had a startup and you had revenues, that you were much more investable and it was much more interesting, particularly to 
European investors um, who, you know, were, were perhaps a little bit more traditional at the time. And a great way to get revenue is to find a problem that a corporate has and, and fix it. And if you can do that in the right way um, and, and get, get revenues, you become a much more investable startup. So, you know, we started talking about how would you do that? Yeah, and I think that was really interesting, wasn't it? Because then we did say, well, how would we do that? How yeah. would we create uh, this opportunity for entrepreneurs and, and um, solve corporates? And coming from a world where I'd been building digital products for corporates... I said to Andrew, well, they're never going to tell us what their problems are. Corporates never tell you. You always ask them, and they're very cagey about that. And Andrew, with his salesman's hat, on, said, come on, let's go and talk to some and see what they say. And I was like, okay, but, you know, they'll never tell us what their problems are. And so we got some meetings. We, we had a, a story that people bought into, you know, we can help you solve your problems by working with entrepreneurs and startups, which most corporates hadn't thought of at this point, or... They kind of went, well, that sounds interesting, but how would that work? So amazingly, we got in the room with some of the, you know, some really great brands, people like BMW and Heinz and Stella Artois and Panasonic. Yeah. yeah. And we sat down with them and said, well, you know, tell us what your problems are. And they went, oh my God, I've got so many. And they started <laughs> telling us what all their problems were. And, um, I had to eat my hat at that yeah. point. Yeah, you did. You had a very big hat. It was great. So, yeah, so that was the, the real, uh, you know, point where we realized that, first of all, corporates, if you approach them in the right way, definitely had an appetite to get these challenges solved. And, and actually, more importantly, um, they... The, the current processes that they were using, whether they were working with, you know, big companies or agencies or, or, or developers, weren't solving the problems in the right way. Um, and they really wanted to see how working with entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial ecosystem would, would make a difference to that uh, kind of issue that they were, they were trying to um, solve. And um, we had some really stellar results, you know, from, you know, the first, first times we tried it and it was um, interesting that uh, by finding the right people in these organizations and then colliding them with amazing entrepreneurs that had you know really powerful solutions we could get things done quite quickly and I think the, the other amazing thing which you know I think we've come to believe is kind of where the magic happens really is finding really talented relatively early stage startups mm. who built something really interesting but they don't really know where to apply it commercially yeah. in the world. Often they're really technically um, skilled, um, and but they don't have that commercial experience and they don't have that insight into those hidden opportunities mm. that lie within corporates that are um, really critical for the, the corporate solve and are very valuable if they can solve them. So unearthing those validated market opportunities that are large and getting a startup to often adapt in some way mm. their technology to apply it. It might be simple, it might be more complex, but by them understanding that there's a real market opportunity that they can you know, commercialise what they're doing through, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And that was really exciting when that 
first happened, wasn't it? It really was. And the reality, the realisation is that entrepreneurs tend to develop technologies in a bit of a vacuum, don't they? They think there might be an issue or they want to develop a particular type of technology. And often, you know, they start with the tech, don't they? They want to get involved with uh, artificial intelligence or IoT or whatever it happens to be. And they start building something where they think, you know, there is a application. But they're never quite sure until they often have spent quite a lot of time and money and, and got to a place and and then take it try and take it to market. And at that point, you meet somebody that's got some real experience and they go, well, why have you built that? Because what my real problem is, is this. And if you can shortcut that process, that's when you get real, you know, magic and real savings and, and accelerate the whole process of creating a startup in the first place. Yeah, and again, we've seen that countless times be transformational mm. for you know entrepreneurs who you know have amazing real world commercial experience as well where they but they you know are just uh, not being able to see where the commercial opportunity is but by pivoting slightly they can really open up those opportunities mm. but I, I was also going to ask you and you know I think it'd be worth thinking as well obviously we've evolved this process and we very mm. much think about start with the problem but obviously corporates do do lots of other things in this space, don't they? And, yeah. you know, this isn't the only approach. And, you know, we're not unique in this area. No, I mean, no, since we started, I think we were one of the first, if not the first organisation built anywhere to sort of help corporates interact with startups specifically. But, you know, there are now, it's like a mini industry and lots of people doing lots of different things. Um, and the great news is, is that that means that people are doing things and that's great. So, you know, corporates, uh, you know, interact with startups in lots of ways. There are corporate accelerators, companies, organizations like Wira have been, you know, doing this for, for some time as part of Telefonica and accelerating businesses. Um, and, uh, you know, often corporates will, you know, send trips of executives out to places like Silicon Valley or to where we are now, Tech City. Um, there's, there's a big thing called entrepreneurial tourism where, you know, uh, corporates send their people around. And and, uh, and obviously most people have been to or, or seen a hackathon or uh, find found, uh, tried to find different ways of encapsulating the problems and try and solve them with innovative technology. And, and all of these things are good better than doing nothing. But one of the things that we've learned, I think, is that you've got to kind of break away from this concept of um, thinking about the technology and thinking that technology is the answer. Um, and you've also got to break away from just doing lots of things without a clear aim. You've got to really try and understand, like in any business process, well, what's my, what does, what does good look like? What output do I really want to get? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? That, again, coming back to our original thought about starting some mm. sort of accelerator, mm. I think often people haven't thought of the underlying objectives for that, apart from we can create some valuable businesses out mm. of it. But, you know, and that obviously works, you know, sometimes, you know, but if you can underpin that with more of a reason to do it, if you can um, open up these validated opportunities... Mm. Um, you know, and particularly in the corporate world where people sometimes run accelerators, but they don't have a clear objective or output. Mm. 
it's hard to you know to find. You don't really know what startups you're looking for if that's the case. Well, the and reality is is that you know running an accelerator, even if you're a private accelerator company and you don't care what comes out the other end, is quite tricky. Mm. And you you know you you it costs quite a lot of money, and you end up with a bit of loss and but you can get some level of return if you're lucky over a period of time when you try and filter that through a corporate lens and try and make sure that the only thing that's coming out of your accelerator applied to your particular corporate environment whether you're a telco or a you know airline or whatever it happens to be then you're you're kind of narrowing the odds of getting the right level of success and so it becomes even more difficult you know to get the right return so, as you quite rightly say, Tom, if you can, you know, mitigate that risk by making sure you're solving real problems and finding the companies with the solutions to those kinds of challenges in your um, accelerator, then you get a better chance of return at the other end. And I think, you know, obviously we've seen, you know, in the last 10 years particularly, a growth of interest in, you know, starting businesses, entrepreneurial Ecosystems grow massively. There's a lot of focus in the press. People talk a lot about large valuations and unicorns, and um, you know, there's TV shows like Dragons Den and Shark mm. Tank, and they make entrepreneurism look very glamorous. Which, obviously, on one level, it is. It's very exciting, and you know, but it's also quite hard work at times, mm. isn't it? And underneath all that, you know, it isn't just a three-minute pitch to a bunch of super angels who are going to hand you a check at the end exactly. of it. It's, you know, it's all the work that goes into what lies behind that and then what you're going to do with that money. And, you know, again, often I think startups get very focused on raising money, which is obviously important. Mm. But, you know, how do you get to that revenue? Um, how do you create a sustainable or, or growing business? Mm. And um, how do you understand those market opportunities that are large? And mm. I think that one of the components of that we've seen as, as really powerful is this idea that, you know, we unlock the power of corporates. Yeah. And again, within the startup world, startups often think that corporates are all dead and dying and, mm -hmm. you know, there's no future in them. And But what we see is that there's huge um, untapped resources in there. Yeah. And if you can unlock those, there's amazing people in corporates that, that have deep, specialist expert knowledge of sectors there's lots of data there's you know access to customers revenue mm. and also potentially investment well, and absolutely. you know and channels to markets and that's incredibly powerful and i think that a lot of startups you know their revenue ultimately will come from corporates whether it's through direct sales or an advertising model exactly um so the sooner you can start engaging with them on some level, the better. I'm trying to understand the value that your particular yeah. technology adds. I, I couldn't agree more. And as a, and the other thing is, it, you're you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter whether you're a you know a B two C kind of startup or you've got a new consumer product or or you have you know a B two B proposition. The reality is is that there are corporates all around the world that operate in your sector who can add incredible value to you as you're building your your business and and help you get there faster basically and and become more investable so you know it's really important to understand that it doesn't matter you know what kind of startup you are or what kind of technology or what kind of product you're building you know you you should try and understand you know how the corporate environment can can really benefit you 
So we've talked a bit about this, you know the start of the problem mm. idea. So it's really easy, isn't it? We just you just mm. go and ask corporate what the problem is. They tell you and you solve it, and that's it. That's done. So right? funny, <laughs> it's really weird. So the funny thing is when we started, you know, that, as we described, you know, corporates can put their finger on two or three problems that they might have or things that they want to solve. But you know, generally those those challenges, those issues, those those areas that they want to innovate around. Um, are things that are bugging them right now or things that, you know, top of their list. But actually, most corporates don't really know most of the problems that they need to fix. And actually, corporates have got huge volumes of challenges, not just specific issues in their business, but white spaces that they should be addressing and opportunities that they, you know, haven't figured out yet. And and not only that, obviously, there's this concept of disruptive innovation, thing that's, things that are happening around them in the world that they need to address before those things subsume their whole business. So how do they, how do they do that? And and um, one of the first things we learned was that you can't just go and ask corporates about that. You have to have a process to uncover those issues. And so we we built one. We built a process to to help corporates figure out what their challenges are, how to prioritize those challenges, and and also more importantly, how to categorize those challenges into different. Um, kind of areas because <laughs> there's, there's not one kind of problem. There's, problems have lots of different characteristics and you might want to deal with problems in different ways. And I think that one of the things that we found early on, we started to joke that there were only seven problems in the yeah. world because if you ladder them up, there are... <laughs> They, they all go up to a higher level yeah. that, you know, they're about efficiency, they're about cost savings. I mean, ultimately, everything's about an impact on a bottom line to create more more revenue mm. or, or more profit. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's a really interesting thing. And I think that the other thing that's built into that process that we've developed is the adaptability that, you know, you might start with something that you, you think is the problem, but as you go and explore those mm. territories and see the technology that's available on the market and the new things that people are doing, that can change Absolutely. The, the way you think about the problems and the impact they can have on the business and, and where you might be going. Yeah, And it's natural for a lot of people inside corporates to sort of jump to a solution. Um, you know, you, 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 you talk about a problem and they already think, well, the answer's got to be X, I need an app to do this or a, you know, whatever it happens to be. And uh, the entrepreneurial way is to test and learn. And, and actually, often the solution is very counterintuitive. So, you know, you have to have a process that has that agility and that ability to change um, through it. And how do you, again, bringing together those processes of, of, of a big corporate mm. and a very agile early stage company, you know, mm. how, how does that work? Because obviously, corps like to know what solutions are yes. and they don't like risk and yeah. all these kind of things that um, obviously the entrepreneurial ecosystem has been built around embracing. Mm. So the great thing that a lot, that corporates and startups can do uh, or, the, or, the, or, or by doing this process allows corporates to do is that you can test lots of different things in a very quick way. So we have this other mantra which is called you know, make lots of small bets. And just like an investor, you know, you, you, you wouldn't put all of your money on, you know, one, uh, one, one tech startup and hope that you're going to get a unicorn uh, because you never know which one is actually uh, going to win. Um, so it's a spread bet approach. 
Um, and so with the, within the process, you, you build in uh, the capability to do the tiniest small tests uh, with a bunch of different potential solutions and then double down on the ones that provide the right return. And as I said, it's totally counterintuitive as to which one uh, you know, is, is going to drive the best return. And, and I guess the other issue here that we're dealing with is that because people have lots of expertise and knowledge in corporations, that often comes with a lot of subjective bias. And, you know, we'll, people will say, well, I would never do that, or that would never work. Um, and, and yet you have to test these things because the world is changing. And that's, in a way, that's the environment, the layer that, that startups uh, live in. Uh, and you have to be open to the potential that something different might work. How do you ensure that startup gets what they need? Doesn't, you know, how do you mm. stop the corporate from swamping that business and yeah this is a really interesting challenge both for startups and and corporates because you know the, the reality is is that historically most corporates uh, have wanted to own absolutely everything and 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 often their their value is based on you know patents and ip and things that they create um and of course the best startups uh, in the world that you, they probably want to work with are going to say, well, no, I want to own my own IP, and 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 that's the value that that they're building. So you have to build an environment, and and you have to get people to accept that in order to get to this win-win, to get to this place where they all want to be, you have to be able to work together in that environment and accept that you can't own ev everything. On the other hand, at the end of the day, you know, you're you're a big corporation. If you really love them that much, you can buy them. Uh, so there's nothing that's off the table. But, you know, the basic principle and how you should start is come from come at it from a place where, you know, there's got to be a win-win here. Yeah. Otherwise, we're not going to get what we want. And I think that's another really interesting component of what we do is this, I, we've created this thing that we call a win-win term sheet. Yeah. And you know, really that what that does is unearth what the underlying incentives are of of both sides, the corporate, what do they want to really achieve out of this and what does the startup really want because it's not always what you think it is. And, mm. you know, as Warren Buffett said, if you can work on one thing all day, work on incentives because yeah. that's what drives results. And sometimes you think that a startup really just wants some sort of revenue or money. Mm. Or perhaps. investment. Perhaps. Yeah, but... But actually, you know, unlocking data for a, an AI or machine learning company can be way more valuable mm. in the short term than a little bit of revenue. Yeah. They can build a new product or a new service using that data and, mm. and, you know, expert knowledge that they can codify in some way. So by making sure you understand what people want to get out of mm. it, and it might be that the startup wants a channel to market Absolutely. that you can provide. So again, I think, you know, and, and again, it's just one of those really obvious questions that people often don't, don't ask. ask. What yeah. do you really want, you know? And I think this is also true for corporations. And coming back to this issue of, there are different types of problems. Mm. Um, you know, there are some problems in an organisation or, 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 or issues or challenges that that really you just need to fix, find a solution to, you know, scale it mm. and move on. You know, efficiency issues yeah. or things about training or recruitment or whatever it happens to be, those, those kinds of challenges. But and then, and then there are other kinds of opportunities where the corporation really wants to own part of the solution. It might be a real, you know, 
a differentiator for them. It might be a new business that they want to spin out. It might be, you know, specific to people inside their organization. They may own all of the expertise on this. And so solving the problem, you know, takes on a slightly different approach. And you may well want to invest in or own you know, part of the solution. And so I think understanding the characteristics of the challenge that you're trying to solve, and as you said, what you're trying to get out of that is really important because not all problems are the same. Mm. And you may want to adopt a different process, a different methodology to solving some problems as you would to solving others. Some make sense just to partner with a, a startup that's got a solution, Others make sense to start a brand new business or a series of brand new businesses and see which ones, you know, uh, create the best return and, and, and take a stake in those. Others, you may well just want to invest in somebody that's doing it already. Um, and so, you know, understanding the nature of the challenge, the nature of the problem, and what as a corporate you want to get out of this and building um, an environment where entrepreneurs and startups feel comfortable working with you and, and driving those solutions with you is incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, I was also, I was chatting to a, an entrepreneur the other day and I think that it's really important that some of this stuff becomes actionable and, that, mm. you know, you actually can make real things happen and what are the, it's all very well thinking about this stuff and mm. he's left his existing startup and he's kind of in between, he's looking for new things and I said, what are you working on and he said I'm just in love with the problem <laughs> which I thought was great and I think yeah, it's great to be in love with problems and we meet lots of entrepreneurs that their primary motivation one of their primary motivations and incentives and the things they love doing is solving problems mm. and you know people sometimes think well don't, don't entrepreneurs just have a passion to build a, a gaming company or a certain specific type of thing but often what they really love doing is solving problems mm. and and that's really great but Obviously, because he's in this in-between stage, he's in this I'm in love with the problem area. And again, we see that often in corporates where they start exploring problems, but they spend so long being in love with the problem yeah. that they don't actually get into the action-oriented bit of um, of solving Getting it. And, done, and yeah. so within the, the statement, start with the problem, there's a very important component which is about starting Start, yeah. and doing stuff and the process that we've built um is very um action oriented isn't mm, it it yeah. very much starts people exploring these problems to understand as quickly as possible is is it really a problem is there really a market opportunity if mm. there's a solution what kind of technology territory could it exist in and we we don't try and jump to solutions no. ever you know it's very much you you have to engage with this this quite agile process yeah um but it's very doing and action oriented i think that's it and you know the other big challenge for corporations is often you know they the people that have all the knowledge and, and need to make the decisions about you know this kind of where they're going to go are, are pretty busy you know they, they've got day jobs to do and they've got targets to hit and, you know, th those kinds of things. So, you know, doing innovation as well, you know, can can be a real challenge mm. for them. So you kind of need but to But surely, have... like, they just create an innovation department, right? And then, <laughs> and then they do it all. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny how that seems to have happened, isn't, isn't it? Over the, over the years, you've got these innovation labs and, and innovation directors uh, all over the place. But And that's great. And they're doing amazing work. 
corporates are also really good at rejecting ideas that that didn't come you know from from within and and the core sometimes yeah that's right and one of our clients said that he believes that this this is a a fad at the moment the innovation uh i you know department Mm. that all the the businesses that will truly win is the the ones that innovation is embedded throughout the whole organization because it's so critical and i couldn't agree more It, it sort of needs to become business as usual it needs to become you know, a tool for anyone inside the organization to be able to just deploy and innovate. Innovation should become, you know, a, a key part of every senior uh, corporate business manager manager's role. You know, this is a, a very well-known concept that, you know, well-managed businesses, you know, all most businesses start obviously with some invention or yeah. an innovation idea and, you know, have an inventor somewhere back in their, their past mm. and they're they are creators, and but as they grow and develop and they professionalize what they do, the natural thing to do to create a well-managed business is to manage risk out. Yeah, they just want keep more doing certainty. the same thing they again, to, again. Yeah. yeah, keep growing what they do. Mm. And the innovation gets pushed out of the business because mm. that's the risky component of it exactly. and the uncertain component. And that's, you know, what, it's it's really difficult to reintroduce back that back into the DNA of a business and and for them to understand and embrace this idea of risk and do it in a controlled way because people sometimes when we talk to them about what we do they say well isn't that risky yeah and it, and and the riskiest thing obviously we say is to not do any of this <laughs> you know and our process is designed to reduce. The risk of doing it and to do it as quickly and as cheaply and to learn as much as quickly as possible but again it's very difficult sometimes for corporates with their structures and processes to to embrace risk and change mm. and adaptability well in, in fact i think that same client that you were talking about has another definition of the of the acronym roi he calls it risk of inaction yes exactly and yeah. uh, you know i think that it's it's a really big problem uh, for for large corporations, because yes, innovation is risky. It has a failure element to it. So this is the other thing that corporates need to understand. You know, you have to understand and and take um, take risk in as part of, or take failure in, perhaps is a better way of doing it, as part of the process, and accept that when you fail, that well, you've learned another way of not doing it, and and that's fine. But you have to reduce the cost of your innovation to the point where that becomes okay. Because the antithesis of doing that is doing nothing. And, of course, we've seen, haven't we, so many businesses stuck with a historic legacy of doing what they've been doing for so long that they, you know, struggle to compete in the changing world. Mm. And, you know, every week there's a another business going, going to the wall because they've you know, become stuck in the mud of their legacy. And so if you don't bring that kind of innovation dynamic, if you don't bring that culture into your business, then whether it's this year, next year, or 10 years' time, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. So you kind of, it, it feels to me that whilst the industry may well be a fad, the process of bringing innovation into the corporation and working with entrepreneurial people around the world and and those uh, processes has got to become part of business as usual. You've 
touched on something else there, going off the risk topic, which is actually one of my favourite things to talk to corporates about because it's the thing that makes them most nervous, I think. Mm -hmm. And so it's a kind of interesting thing to take them on that journey to to talk about failure and risk. Because again, mm. often if you're a consultancy or agency, you're there to manage risk out of everything. Exactly. But actually we're sort of introducing risk, but in a very controlled way. Yeah. But again, you you talked a little bit about working with entrepreneurs around the world, mm. you know, that, and again, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's another interesting thing that we've found sure. on this journey. So it's really interesting that you're you're right. You know, the the fact is is that when you innovate, there there's there's risk associated with it, and it doesn't always work. In fact, we've we've got to a place where our process drives a return in fifty percent of cases. Which you know what? I think that's that's pretty good. I hope to improve it and make it better. But fundamentally, if you can get a one in two kind of return of a scaling innovation, then that's pretty cool. But one of the ways we've been able to get to that place is by thinking in a global way. The reality is there are, whilst there are you know, millions of entrepreneurs and great businesses around, um, if you're trying to be very specific and you're innovating in a particular business or a sector um, or even to, around a particular problem, if you limit yourself to just those entrepreneurs in your city or your country or even your continent, the number of good entrepreneurs and solutions that you will find won't be enough to get you to the best solution. So you have to think about this globally. And uh, at the bakery, we spent quite a long time building a global network of innovators, entrepreneurs, hubs, clusters, investors, all around the world. So when we're working on a challenge for a client in, let's say, Brazil, we can introduce them to startups in Australia, in Tel Aviv, in London, as well as in Brazil, who can potentially solve their challenge. And by enabling that to happen, you get to a good result that can drive a real return. Similarly, you know, startups in America, you know, may well have a great solution for our clients in New Zealand or in London. And, and I think that this two-way global uh, kind of interaction of corporates and startups is an incredibly important ingredient. If you don't think about it that way, again, you, you don't get the scale of results that make it worthwhile. And I, I think, again, that plays a little bit as well as you're making lots of small bets. You, you, again, you need to do this at scale, you know, and repeatably, mm. and, you know, you keep, need to keep doing it. A one hit uh, gets you a result straight off the bat all the time. Well, absolutely. And I think this is something that you kind of need to do a lot, you know, mm. both from a startup perspective and a, and a corporate perspective. You know, you, 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 it's a kind of a numbers game, a little bit. Um, and, you, and, and especially when you bear in mind that there's risk and failure built into it, uh, not every interaction works. So you have to have lots of interactions and you have to build a process that enables that at the right cost with the least amount of time uh, so that you can get to the kind of results that you, you need to get to. And, and I think that that's what we've learned uh, uh, along the years, that, that actually doing this at the right pace for both the startup and the and the corporate, and at the right volume and scale, uh, gets you the results that you need. This is all great and interesting, but how should people start? If you're in a big corporate, how should you start? Or you know, if you're a startup and want to engage with corporates, what should you do? Yeah, I think well, you know, this whole this whole concept of understanding the nature of the challenge 
um, and the the nature of the challenges that you have as a corporate uh, are, are probably the best places to start. Uh, and you have to also make sure that the characteristics of the challenge, the scale of the challenge, the problem that you're trying to solve, are big enough to to go through this process in the first place. So we've developed a process to help corporates do that. It'd be you know happy to share that it's on our website and all of those kinds of things um and we've got a huge number of challenges that we're already uh solving and have solved for businesses and uh, you know on an, on a in an average month i think we're dealing with sort of 20 or so uh, uh opportunities and and problems um and solving those so um i think the key to this is to get started do something but think about what the outcome is that you need to achieve. And over the next few weeks and months, we're going to be recording more uh, podcasts and, and, and more information about how you can do that. And you should, I guess, listen to more of these. Yeah, and we're going to bring in some interesting guests, both from the startup ecosystem, the investor world, and the corporate world, to talk about their thoughts and beliefs around this and you know how that either resonates with what we're doing or doesn't resonate Absolutely. with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're going to learn a lot too along the way. So, um, you know, we hope that you've enjoyed this this first session. We're going to do lots more. Um, it's going to be a journey over the next few months and um, come back. Yeah, and tell us what you think. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing your comments. You've been listening to Making Innovation Happen by The Bakery, hosted by Andrew Humphreys and Tom Salmon, and produced by Vita and 1618 Digital. To be the first to hear about future episodes, you can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Or for more information and extra content, check out the show notes or visit thebakery.com. Thanks for listening. Well, that's all right as a test, I suppose. Yeah. Should we do it properly now?